time. Dana, that is probably the coolest candidate ad I've ever seen because you actually, Eli, you were getting the tat, right? We the people on your arm during the... That was real. That wasn't fake, right? That's a real tattoo, Sean. It's right here on me. Boom. We the people. That's what uh, my campaign's all about, and um, that's why we're running. Proudly as a Navy SEAL, uh, you've got a good life in Arizona. Why would you, what would your mission be uh, if you got to Congress? Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. Just like the rest of these guys have said, my mission will be to serve this country and try and turn this country around. Unfortunately, it seems to a lot of Americans as if this country is going off a cliff with our foot on the gas. And that's why I'm encouraged to be here with these guys today. We didn't plan this. This is just another example of men that bleed red, white, and blue, who have seen what's going on, who are willing to answer the call one more time. And for all of you out there listening and watching, this is a good start, but it's just a start. We're gonna need your support, and we're gonna need the people of this country to get off their couches, get into their local governments, get into their school boards, take back Congress, and take back the White House if we want to turn this country back around. Wanted to come up with this new brand called Long Live the Veteran Brotherhood just because as I've got out, I've, it's just become so important to me. I remember watching a lot of my buddies get out of the service and watching them struggle to find work find a career and as I've gotten out it's become so much a part of my own business and so much a part of what I'm passionate about these days is just helping other veterans The problem with Washington politicians is they have no skin in the game. It's all about them and almost never about us. Well, I'm not a self-serving politician. My whole life has been about service, family, and community. After 9-11, I served as a Navy SEAL in the Middle East. Then I built a thriving business that makes badass bottle openers and employs Arizona veterans. But the most important mission of my life has been raising my two daughters with my wife, Jen. I'm so sick of phony politicians and their lame excuses, and that's why I'm running for Congress. Now more than ever, America needs leaders with guts and integrity to solve problems. Securing our border, standing up for law enforcement and our military, strengthening small businesses, cutting middle class taxes, and protecting the integrity of our elections. It's time for we the people to take our country back. I'm Eli Crane, and I'm ready to fight for us. Good evening, dummies. I am so excited. I have been waiting for this day for quite a while. I'm trying not to smile too much because I'm going to be going and talking and be next to somebody who honestly has seen so many different things and been a part of 
what most of us couldn't even imagine in an action movie, let alone in real life. And Eli Crane is one of the most uh, just down-to-earth dudes I've ever met in my life. He's just cool, he's calm, he's collected, but man, he is a man on a mission. I am so excited to bring you Eli tonight. Uh, spent a lot of time working on this. His wife, Jen, has been amazing. His campaign managers have helped us out. And, and this guy can go on any show and any podcast he wants, and he's been on a ton. And for him to actually choose to come on Don't Unfriend Me, it means the world. I cannot wait to get this started. I cannot wait to bring you Eli Crane. You're going to have some fun. Just sit back, relax, enjoy the interview. It was fantastic, and I'm going to bring it to you live. I hope you enjoyed the intro video because this gets better as we go. Don't unfriend me. Like, share, and subscribe. Eli Crane is next. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Eli, first of all, welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. I don't think you've watched the show, but we have a group of listeners, about 32,000 people. They're called the Dummies, and Barstool Sports has their stoolies. We have Dummies, which stands for Don't Unfriend Me. Uh, just a little bit of a euphemism. Hillary Clinton called us deplorable, so we figured that would be a kind of a funny thing to do. So introduce you to the audience. I would love to hear a little bit about you. And then, of course, I have some questions for you, if that's okay. So welcome to Don't Unfriend Me first. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. So listen, I, I know there's a lot going on right now, especially with uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. I know it's impacting vets heavily and probably yourself. I've got a lot of friends and it, it wasn't something that I took part in, but I, I know a lot of my peers and friends are just have a lot of feelings about it. I would love to know, you know how you're feeling, what are your thoughts on it, and what are your overall impressions on what's going on right now? You know, I mean, it is very much especially knowing so many folks that, um, you know, guys that I've served with, um, you know, that uh, never came home um, from that region. Um, it's, it's hard to watch too, as you know what's going to happen with uh, so many of our friends and allies that are getting left behind and abandoned. And then, you know, also from the aspect of uh, leaving close to $83 billion worth of uh, equipment, um, vehicles, helicopters, aircraft, you name it, um, you know, and basically making the Taliban one of the uh, larger armies in the world. I mean, it's it's incomprehensible. Uh, but I, I've, I've also got to say that um, I'm not surprised. I, I am yeah. not surprised. Elections have consequences. We all know that. Um, I think many of us that were paying attention to this election before it happened, I that, um, you know, Joe Biden didn't really know where he was half the time. He sometimes confused who his wife was, you know, um, campaigned out of a basement. I mean, the guy is not cognitively there. That's yeah. not, it's, you know, a, a laughing or a joking matter. That's just something that affects humanity. You know, my grandfather, you know, had mental, you know, issues like that uh, he, before, before he died. And it was very hard to watch. But the fact that that was evident prior to this election 
to me is unacceptable, you know, and for everybody that, um, you know, voted for Joe and has helped him along the way and has helped cover his tracks. Uh, I hope you're paying attention. I hope you're watching an isolated incident. This isn't just, you know, this debacle, this disaster is in Afghanistan. It's going on at our border. Um, he's made awful decisions uh, regarding energy dependence. Yeah. Uh, so many others. And so that my message is, is this isn't going to stop. Um, you know, we need to take action. Uh, we need to definitely make sure, you know, that we take back the House um, executive branch coming up. But we also we also need to, um, you know, hold those in leadership accountable for um, their abysmal and completely ignorant decisions that are leading to all of this chaos and turmoil. You know, I was worried about when I got you talking. Um it, it, when you're when you have a veteran sitting across from you, it's different than when you have somebody who, who doesn't really understand what's going on over there or what what the military is like. So you, it's kind of different, I would assume, when you talk to people who are in the civilian sector and then people who actually understand. Because the first thing you said it just absolutely floored me, and I hadn't really thought about. Although I certainly understand where where our enemies are at from a a military and equipment and readiness standpoint. And what you said, Taliban being one of now one of the ready forces in the world, they're probably more impactful than Iran. I understand Iran has some vehicles. They have, they have, they have ship bound. They have things to that effect. But as far as a ground game, I mean, the Taliban have just become a, a viable threat. Why do you think, and I understand we leave weapon systems behind. We've done it before, but right. when you're talking about, explosive ordnance you're talking semtex you're talking c4 you're you're talking mreps you're talking drones and some of the state-of-the-art drones that we have and then biometric software why i understand that we were going to give it to the ana and the afghan army but what i don't understand is there should have been a contingency and when bagram fell why didn't we act well i think there's a lot there um and um I want to say that I think that I think there is a level of incompetence, but I also think, you know, the way that we promote in the military, um, how political it becomes, if you will, yeah. needs, needs, because uh, you, the guys that are, you know, winning battles and I mean, uh, showing heroism on the battlefield and um the best leaders out there aren't necessarily the guys that are getting promoted. Oftentimes it's the guys that are checking all the right boxes, become yes yeah. men and uh, basically become um, part politician, you know, part, you know, active duty, uh, you know, service member. And, and the results are evident. You know, I think if you were paying attention to uh, what that Marine officer that just got relieved of his. Um, yeah, I saw that. When you listen to him, I saw this in the SEAL teams as well. It, it seemed once guys got past a certain rank, um, they were no longer considered one of the boys. Um, you know, and that that does kind of come naturally with leadership. But you just saw that after a certain point. Um, even in the SEAL teams, it got to the point where guys were riding the desk. They were no longer um, 
connected with the the ground level units and individuals and uh they lost the pulse of what was going on and their sole focus seemed to be you know continuing to get promoted and i there are definitely exceptions to that rule and i i've met many of them but i'm just saying um i mean you can see that this administration not only politically but um, in, in our military and our armed forces who seem to be more concerned about, you know, um, implementing critical race theory, um, and purging white race from our forces. Uh, meanwhile, our forces, um, and, and our planning aren't capable of safely evacuating our forces from, uh, a war zone that we've known we were going to get out of uh, for years now just goes to show you where the priorities are and how unprepared this current yeah. leadership group is to get the job done. Is Bass backwards. I mean, to, to, to take boots off the ground and then go ahead and try to evacuate civilians from an airport that has seen more attacks and more terrorist activity than probably any other airport in the world over the last 20 some odd years and why you wouldn't exfil from Bagram, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And and that's why a lot of the things when I look into this, I just say, who the hell's in control? This is a question that we hadn't talked about, but a quick one is, do you feel 9-11 was an intelligence failure, an intelligence apparatus failure, in my opinion? I think we got lazy. I think we relied, relied too much on electronic intelligence. Uh, we forgot the human element. We forgot having you know people in country who could blend um, creating assets on the ground and agents on the ground. Do you feel we're in the same situation where we're too heavily dependent again on electronic intelligence and this is going to come back and bite us in the ass uh, on the home front? I actually think that the uh, situation is far, far worse yeah, for, for a couple reasons. One, because I look at what's going on on the southern border. We have no southern border yeah, in this country. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't think second, that these, these individuals – um, that we're going to be continually going up against don't recognize that and haven't already developed, um, you know, planning to infiltrate and to push, you know, moles and, um, you know, some of their operatives inside the U.S. to continue their attack on, uh, on the West. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's so much worse. I just think it's so much worse because it's it, not only that, but when I, what's going on in our three letter agencies. And, and when I look at what's going on at the highest levels of the DOJ, the DOJ has been compromised in so many ways. Um, and it, it, when you, when you start, when the FBI and others start releasing, um, you know, statements, um, you know, claiming that its own citizens are its biggest threat, uh, with the world looking the way it does, uh, I think um, we're in a we're in for a very rough couple years, and I think that's the reason that I'm the most concerned. And I think we're in a much worse position than we were after 9/11. I think the pain train is coming, and I think if we don't get some solid leaders, um, you know, throughout this country, in every single branch of government, starting at our local school boards. Um, our local, um, you know, our local governments, federal governments and the executive branch, 
it's not going to be it's not going to it's not going to be good at all for those people that uh, rely on the government for protection and um, to make good choices for, for their own freedoms and prosperity. Uh, just quickly, and we'll jump because there's so much I want to get to. Um, 95, 96 time frame was the, was the uh, Hong Kong turnover from Chinese rule. And we saw communism, communism infiltrate Hong Kong in such a short period of time. We could learn something from North Korea where they were putting you know, sleeper cells inside South Korea doing guerrilla warfare tactics. These, these practices have been around since dawn of time. And I don't know why we think by not having a border that's secure that we're somehow going to be impenetrable just because we're the United States. I think it makes us a target. I think it makes us weaker. I think we've got 3,000 miles of ocean on our left and our right and Canadian border and, and tundra on our north. And you leave that border open, it's our weakest point. So I know we're going to talk about the border. I want to get to that, and I appreciate what you said. It's amazing. There's not a secret pill that you took or I took to, to kind of think the same way on this type of stuff, and it seems that a lot of military people are, and a lot of people are getting into this fight, including yourself, which we'll talk about you running for Congress as well. Um, let's go into that. Are Americans really ready for the hat and the T-shirt and the tattoos? I mean, you and I don't look like uh, necessarily maybe a podcaster for sure, but You've done a lot with your life. You know, Navy SEAL, CEO of Bottle Breacher, Ambassador of Sig Sauer. I mean, you've done a lot, man. What what do you think America is going is going to think about you running? And when are they going to wake up and realize that you might be the answer? Because we keep voting for the same thing and nothing changes. What are your thoughts on it? Right. Well, let me start by saying I'm definitely not the answer in in one in one aspect. And that is I tell people up guy going to Congress. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be, hey, let's take back the executive branch and then everything's all good. If the American people don't wake up, collectively get off, get off their engage in this fight, um, in my opinion, that this, this country that we know and love is done and it's over. Um, and it's just, and when I say that, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. They think it's, you know, hyperbole, but uh, when you watch trajectories for a long enough period of time from the beginning of the founding of this country to now where we're at now, um, it, it's it's gone the wrong way for so long. And it's under the weight of so much corruption, fraud, waste, abuse, and in my opinion, pure evil, that it can only withstand so much. And so I want to be very clear on the fact that I want to get into this fight and I put my hat, I've thrown my hat into the ring. I'm going to get into this fight. But... but quit thinking that somebody's coming to rescue them okay because this government this country is of by and for the people right. and when the people of this country collectively check out and they're more concerned about what's going on on their tiktok feed or what they're watching on netflix tonight or what vacation they're going on and they tune out what's going on in the world um and and tune out the responsibilities they have as an american citizen to make sure that the next generation and the next generation grow up with the freedom and prosperity that you sooner or later, this whole house of cards is going to topple. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing, um, you're seeing decades and decades and decades of complacency. That's what you're seeing right now in this country. And thankfully you've got that we're pretty bad for this country. Like, what went on during COVID, I think in many ways have turned out to be a blessing because a lot of American parents 
got to see what their kids were being taught in the classroom. And because they got taught in the classroom, they're saying, nope, not anymore. And you're starting to see them show up at school boards. They don't want their kids to be taught this critical race theory. They don't want cultural Marxism, you know, permeating and destroying, you know, our children's minds. Um, And so I think parents are starting to wake up. Americans are starting to wake up more and more. Is it enough? I don't know. Are Americans willing to, you know, take a look at a different type of candidate that looks a little different, talks a little different, has some tattoos, often wears a ball cap? I really don't know, but I hope that they are, brother, because if they're not, um, I think if you keep sending the same candidate, you're going to keep getting the same exact results. And so I'm glad, like myself. Um, who aren't just veterans, who, but of who, who have done other things. Like myself, I'm an entrepreneur. I started a multi-million dollar brand in my one-car garage with a Dremel tool and some spray paint. And I think, you know, having a, a bunch of good real-world experience um, is really helpful when you're trying to um, affect change on, on a level, you know, federally on Capitol Hill. You need real stuff in this world. Um, and have dealt with a lot of adversity because if I get there, that's what I'm going to be dealing with on a day in day out basis. Yeah. You take a look at guys like Jocko, um, who are just hard chargers and they've got a, a very direct way about them. You do as well. Most military people do. Um, I think America is ready for it. And if you look at Jocko, he's one of the most inspirational business leaders out there right now. I mean, the guy's a fortune 500 talker. He, he has amazing advice. It's a simplistic way of thinking. He's a great novelist. Yourself, uh, Marcus Luttrell, th- these guys are, are, are revered. And I think the, the biggest thing that, that people are looking for in a candidate is someone who can't be bought. And the moment that you probably step foot off that plane and you land in Washington, D.C., first time that you're actually going to make roll call, there's going to be political action committees going for you. There's going to be big business trying to line your pockets. I love the fact that you do have your own business and, and you take care of yourself financially. Um, just a little segue into the next question would be, how do you see yourself staying away from that type of mud and just getting away from it and sticking to those core values? Um, I think I know the answer, but I'd love for everyone else to hear it. No, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I'm running because I'm so fed up of watching it myself. And, uh, you know, whether it's popular or not, one of the things for me um, that keeps me grounded all the time is my faith, you know, and I, I know that this life isn't about me. This story is not about me. Um, I play a very small role in it. And uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to get to taste, I think a little bit of uh, maybe the, the, the fortune and, you know, and some of the things that people, you know, oftentimes we assume after, um, and I, I've got, I made my first million dollars when I was 35 years old. Um, I became a Navy SEAL when I was 25 years old. So um, I've got to see kind of behind the curtain and I've got to understand why people that sometimes become wealthy or rich and famous, they're not happy. They're not content. They're not fulfilled because that's not at the end of the day, what makes anybody happy. It's having purpose. Um, and in my personal opinion, and I'm just being real and I'm just being honest with you, whether it's popular or not. Um, I feel like, you know, when, when, when people, you know, figure out what, what God's called them to do and what, what he wants them to do, what their, his role for them is, I, I feel like that's when you find fulfillment. And so I don't need to chase a lot of this stuff anymore that I have 
honestly chased in my past and I got to the top of that peak and I realized that's not where fulfillment is anyway. And so I, in many ways, I feel like I've made some of the mistakes already, learned some of the lessons, um, you know, and, and I know, I already know that that's not where it's at. And so I think there are a lot of people that get into that, this line of work and they see, you know, the opportunity for a little bit of power, the opportunity to, you know, pad their own pockets. And, uh, it's, it's a tough, you know, it's, it's a magnetic pull on the ego and, uh, you know, it's really, it's really destructive, but thankfully because of some of the experiences that I've already had, um, I'm not worried about that affecting me. Cause I've already, I've already said no in, in many situations where I could have padded my own pockets or I could have, you know, um, worked to, you know, build my own brand, if you will. And I said no, because it wasn't the right thing to do. And um, at the end of the day, if, if the people of Congressional District 1 send me, because it's not up to me, it shouldn't be up to me, it shouldn't be up to the party, it shouldn't be up to the state, it should be up to the people and, right. and who they want um, to represent them, then I'll go and I'll, I'll fight for them. And if they choose that, hey, I'm not their guy, then I'm okay going back to doing what I was doing. And I think that those are the type of candidates that we need. People that don't need it, don't necessarily want it, but love it enough to say, you know what? I'm willing to throw my reputation on the line. I'm willing to, you know, get trashed by the media. I'm willing, you know, to go um, to probably the most corrupt place on earth um, yeah. to throw down and do battle because uh, this country is still worth fighting for. It's great. It's a good answer. I'll, I'll be honest. I live about 35 minutes away from it and uh, I'm in it a lot and I see it. And, I, and the days, I love the way you're talking, man. It, it, as a constitutionalist, it, it definitely is my type of language. There used to be a time when legislatures would go to reduce the taxes on tobacco or or go ahead and put a writ on land or fight a town or municipality's causes and then go there and leave. And now there are career politicians who stay there for 30, 40 years, and all of them come out richer than when they came in. So uh, I love hearing it. And by the way, you don't just run once if you don't get it. You keep going, man. You know that. And you have to keep fighting for it. Because I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of good people who are who are trying to get and break this ceiling. And I think it's important. And And we make a lot of decisions based upon the military. We should have veterans in there making those decisions at all times. So uh, I hope you get it, man. Let's let's segue into something you said about the garage, and it's it's great that you talked about that. Some of my personal heroes started out in a garage: Steve um, Jobs and Wozniak, Brian Stortz from Flags of Valor, who I had a chance to work for. Many others have really kicked off of a dream from a garage. Um, did you think this would be possible? You know, one day when you first came to the concept of Bottle Breacher, that it would take you into this arena, and and just talk to me about that journey. You know. I've always been a dreamer. I've always been somebody that's liked to go big. I can't tell you I knew what this was going to look like or what the specifics of it were. But what I can tell you is that I did see the magic in this product um, very early on. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd been an entrepreneur for a couple of years before um, we even started Bottle Breacher. I fell in love with entrepreneurship and just... Um, you know, the challenge of it, the freedom, you know, the freedom that was involved, how difficult it was, but what the potential upside was if you did connect on something. Um, so I didn't know exactly what it, you know, what it could be, but I knew it had monster potential. 
Um, I've always been kind of a big picture guy and the type of guy that can not always, I've made plenty of mistakes, but um, often see things where others can't and uh, see, see down the road a little bit. And, you know, I remember when this thing started and getting my first 50 cal bottle opener and, you know, they weren't, they were very rare at the time. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Most of them that uh, most of them that either me or my friends ever came in contact were were actually coming out of the Philippines. And so, um, and that's not to say that there weren't people here doing it, but they were doing it on a very small scale and we wouldn't learn about that until much later. But um, after I saw the reaction of, you know, once we started making these things and trying to improve the concept, um, you know, I saw the reaction really early. I knew it could could be something if we could figure out how to market it and, you know, sell it to, you know, groups. Um, and, and so I knew there was something there. If, if we could if we could put, you know, our shoulder to the wheel and do some serious work on it, I knew it had some serious potential. It's a great brand. Um, where can people go and visit the site? What's the URL? Yeah, people go to uh, bottlebreacher.com. You can come check out our uh, awesome products. You know, we're, we're a made in the USA, you know, company. Uh, right now we have a, a product up. It's the uh, the 911 bottle breacher and all the proceeds for that are going to go back to uh, America's Mighty Warriors. They're a charity that we've worked with for many years. And uh, Mama Lee uh, is an amazing woman. She's uh, her son was the first seal killed in Iraq named Mark Lee. Uh, we've supported them and worked with them for a long time and she supported us as well. Um, she's putting a lot of veterans, uh, with traumatic brain injuries and, uh, um, all sorts of other injuries through, uh, medical treatments that are very, very pricey, but very effective. Um, and so, you know, that, that's one of the cool ones that we have on there now, but we have a lot of cool products. Uh, and we, you know, we've got, we've still got a couple army vets that work in here and, you know, we love, I love coming in here and giving those guys a hard time and they probably give it to me twice as, you know, twice. <laughs> as, I mean, that's why one of the reasons I love coming in here, cause you still feel like, you know, you still feel like you're back in the unit a little bit. So yep. uh, army guys, <laughs> they all yeah. can't be Navy men. So <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it, uh, the website, checking it out. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put links in the in the bottom of the show so people. I, I hope thirty two thousand people visit thirty two thousand buy it. Um, I'll make sure I talk about it every show. I think it's that important. Um, I worked for Valor Home, and before that was Flags of Valor, and and we just partnered with Gold Star Moms and just put a roof over their head, and we do that to four vets a year, and it's just an amazing feeling. And you know, I know you know Scott Davidson, the guys over at Burbiz, and we all kind of playing yep. the same park and we all know each other, but it's just awesome, man, to be able to give back and work with our fellow brothers and sisters. It's just a different environment. We get to be who we are. We don't have to play the corporate game. So uh, I love that. So listen, speaking of Burbiz and shot, and I know Davidson's going to jump through the roof that I'm giving him a plug, but it does seem like a lifetime ago that we were talking and I, I, you probably don't even remember, but it's just a, a small conversation that we had and had a few drinks. Um, I wouldn't have really have guessed that you'd be running for Congress. So I guess the thing I'm looking for is your motivation. Was it was it really a decision that was a personal one? Was it another dedication to serve a 9-11 moment? Um, yeah. Or yeah. was it was it really just a sense of frustration? I think maybe yes to all, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. No, it's funny that you bring that up. You know, when you and I met um, and, ha- you know, we're 
sitting around just having a conversation um, because I never would have guessed back then either. This was not something I ever really had on my radar. It was not something that I was planning to do. Um, long story short, I was asked last year to make a commercial for a politician um, at the time who also happened to be a veteran. Um, I did it. It went really well. Um, and uh, some of the people that were behind at that time, Senator Martha McSally, um, asked me many, um, many months ago if I would consider running for Congress. And so it was at that point that um, they, you know, they flew some people, some folks down, had a good conversation with my wife and I. Um, we kind of, you know, laid out uh, what would be expected. And from my end, you know, what what my expectations were as far as, hey, this is this is who I am. I'm not changing for anybody. Um, this is what I'm about. This is what I've said in the past. If you have a problem with that, um, then uh, let's go ahead and uh, part ways now. And so, um, you know, that was the formation of uh, re really praying and considering doing this. And uh, I, I definitely would have never jumped into this if I didn't feel like I had some people that were on my side and behind me that uh, could help us um, in, in a in a environment that was so foreign to us, and um, that in addition to you know what's going on in this country, um, and just what I would consider. Uh, I know a lot of us, I know a lot of us look at things that are happening and we think to ourselves, oh, you know, it's just incompetence across the board. Look at an isolated incident and we like Afghanistan and we think it's just incompetence. And well, that's what happens when you elect a guy that doesn't know where he is half the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just I disagree. And I think and it, let me explain myself. I don't think that the people that are running the show and I'm not talking about um I'm not talking about the president. I don't really right. believe cognitive enough. You know, he's he's with it enough to even run the show. I think he's being handled. Um, I don't believe he's, he's openly admitted he's being handled many times. Right. I mean, on stage. So go ahead. I'm not supposed to call on anybody or I'm supposed to call on this this person. <laughs> right. Am I getting, right. He says things like that all the time. My point is, is I don't believe I personally don't believe that the people that are handling um the president are stupid at all. I believe they're very smart. Um, and I believe that they're, uh, where they want this country to go is not in alignment with what our founders wanted. And quite frankly, not in alignment with what most Americans want. And I, so I think that you're seeing the byproduct of that on the nightly news every single day on your news feed, on your social media. I don't think it's mass incompetence. I think that there is some of that going on, but I actually think, uh, I don't think that people, I think it's a managed decline of the U.S. And I think that uh, a lot of the people pulling the strings right now, um, they want um, they want more power and more rule for the government. They want to move us towards socialism. They want to, you know, they want to take, they want to wrestle power away from you and I, the American people, because unfortunately for them, our constitution says that this, again, this, or our, Declaration of Independence says that this this is of us, for us, and by us, and that our rights come from God. They're unalienable rights. They come from God, not the government. And the government's job is to protect those rights. And the problem with our founding documents and the way that this government was set up, the, the fact that we have the rights that we do, 
the Bill of Rights, the amendments, etc., is that, that those rights protect us from an overreaching tyrannical government. And they know that if if they don't diminish and dis, you know diminish and tear it down, they can't have their ultimate goal. And so I know that I, I might have lost some of you guys there, but I refuse to believe that this is just, you know, uh, incompetence at every level and every single, you know, every single issue that we're facing. I don't believe that. And so we got to get some fighters in there. We've got to get some people with real world experience in there. And more importantly, we've got to get people in there that love it enough to die for it. I love it. Uh, you didn't lose my listeners. I've, I've got these three books with me everywhere I go every time I do this show. So Bill of Rights, Declaration, and the Constitution. And, uh, you know, I know you don't have time to watch the show, and that's fine. you got plenty to do. But in, it's it's my listeners aren't lost. And, and I think they, there's a lot of like-minded individuals. And I think there's still a part of a different party that may disagree with us who still believes in the Constitution. But this progressive left movement that grows every single day because we're feeding it, we're giving it attention, we're addressing it. And the whole narrative is just is just sickening. And like I said, I saw this in Hong Kong. We've seen this in China. We've seen this in every hundred million people have died from communism over the last hundred years. You think that we would be able to use that, but we're not teaching it. You talked about critical race theory. All of these things are are, are helping me just feel even better about the show that I do because we've talked about that. So I appreciate you talking about it, man, for sure. Um, no, you're, no, you're, there are people that you know that are democrats that are independents they're not happy with it i hear from them on social media all the time yeah, me too uh, there's still there's still people you know that, that that don't vote for the same people i vote for that are sick to their stomach and watching what's going on you know with this country um and so that's that's my message is that hey if you if you're is just as disgusted as i am about where this country is headed and you want to see some change you know, maybe vote for somebody that, you know, looks a little bit different and sounds a little bit different and has some different experiences than the, than the type that you normally, uh, you know, vote for. Tenth Amendment's a beautiful thing, reserve powers. And you said it earlier is we got to start at the state and local government, city council, sheriff's department, county clerk, whatever it is. Um, people have to change it from the foundation. We're not going to change it from the from the executive branch. It's not going to happen. So I'm with you on that. I know uh, you've got some time given to me. I appreciate it. I just want to get into some more of the political stuff. I want people to know your platform, especially in Arizona. Uh, a lot of my friends, I spent some time in Arizona myself, will see this. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few questions about that. Please do. Um, what I know about the Arizona's first seat in the congressional district is that Democrats have really dominated over the past decade. It went to Biden in 2020, uh, due to the, well, we all know that the the drama of the election, but we don't need to get, that's a whole nother topic, but due to the redrawing of the political lines and Arizonans looking to really have a change, you're in a prime position to flip the seat. So why is it important to you that a Republican gains this spot? And what are your three focuses when you are elected that you're going to impact? Right. I would say it's important because uh, the guy that and this is why it's important across the board, not just in this race. Uh, This race is a little bit special because it is one of the top 10 targeted by the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee. Those are the guys that their whole job is um, the country from blue back to red. And this is one of their top 10 targets. Uh, It's actually listed as an R plus two district. So we should be winning it. Um, Trump won the district in uh, 2016. Um, Tiffany Shedd lost to Tom Halloran last time in this election by about three percentage points, which totaled about 11,000 votes. The bottom line is 
Tom O'Halloran, the, the guy that I'm trying to beat, votes with Nancy Pelosi about 96% of the time. And uh, if you know anything about how the Democrats vote, typically they move in lockstep. There's not a lot of uh, there's not yeah. a lot of them away from the pack. So that's you know th- that's something that we have to you know we have to we have to take them out. You know whether it's me or somebody else, we have to take them out. I hope it's me because I think I'm the only guy on our side strong enough to do this. That's that's that has the platform that can nationalize this race. I've already got Mark Levin's endorsement. I've got the Border Patrol endorsement out here. Um, I'm out raising my opponents uh, quite a bit. Um, And it's going to take somebody that's a fighter to unseat somebody that's been in that spot for, you know, three terms. And so um, we've got to get it done and we've got to flip the House. We, You know, right now, the, the Democrats control the, you know, the House, the Senate and the presidency with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker in the Senate. You know, we cannot have that. You've seen what happens when we lose, you know, when we lose all all of the branches. I mean, we're getting destroyed right now. Uh, this country is in massive turmoil and we've got to have some resistance to that. And so the House is a really good place um, to get that done. Yeah, I mean, it's the strongest of the houses. I mean, it's where it's where the most representation. Once again, the 10th Amendment, um, it, everything starts there. And people think it's the presidency. Presidency is great for veto and presidency is great for mugshots, but I mean, getting photo ops. But there's a lot more to it than that. So I'm with you. It needs to be taken back. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, you got my money and I don't I don't donate to campaigns. So uh, you got you got my 50, 25. I don't know what I gave you. It's probably reoccurring. So you can send me a Christmas card. Um, but either way, man, I, I think. The next question I really had was focused on, you know, veterans. I know it's an extremely important part of your life and mine. And I, when we talked on the phone, um, I, I didn't know this either. And when I was started to look into the VA and and the type of care, I know 20 years ago I had all my teeth drilled and they were all temporary fillings. I got out and I had $25,000 worth of work to get done, a broken back, whatever. And there was no VA close to me. And the one that was, I, I was waiting three months to get in. So understanding that, um, there's been a recent law passed within the last two years where they stopped rating the VAs. They stopped giving them star ratings where vets can go back and provide feedback and say, listen, this place is great. This place isn't. This doctor's wonderful. This isn't. Um, these ratings from the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs are extremely important. And Tucson and Phoenix had, before this stopped, I believe in 18, were both one star. They were bottom in, in the country. What are your thoughts on this? How do you do you feel this is something you're going to dive into? Or if not, I would just love to get your perception. Do you agree that it's still important to rate? Do you think this is something that you can put on the agenda? And I would just love to get your uh, your thoughts on this. Yeah, I do think it's important. And uh, I actually want to go back a little bit into the genesis and this conversation with you and I. And this is one of the reasons I feel like I can actually, I'm actually going to do a good job at this, Matt, because if you remember when you brought this up, I actually yep. said to you, Matt, I don't, I don't know enough about this. As a matter of fact, I didn't know that I didn't even know that this was an issue. Will you send me some information on it? And the reason I want to point that out is that that's something that a lot of politicians, I think it's a pride thing and it's part of their pose. They think that they have to have the answer to everything. And if they don't, you know, they just make it up. Right. And I'm humble. And I know that I don't know. 
I know I don't know everything, not even close. And so I'm not ashamed to say, hey, Matt, I don't know enough about that, brother. Will you send me some information so I can do some reading on it? And I, I actually read um, And uh, I think it is a good idea to have those ratings up on the, uh, the VAs. I, I think it creates a level of transparency and I think it also creates accountability. And if you're work, if you're working or you're leading at a VA that's got a low, like a one or two star rating, I think it's going to, you know, do just like it does to a business like mine. If you have a poor rating, if you're, if customers are saying bad things about your company, what is that? What does that drive you to do? It drives you to make improvements. It tr- drives you to make sure that your customers are happy. When I've had that happen to us here in business and what you do is you reach out to those people individually to see if you can resolve the issue, to see if you can get them what they wanted or what they needed. And I think the when you take that stuff away, it lets some of these folks in the VA breathe a little bit easier and be like, oh, thank God. Now, now people don't see, you know, how poorly we're thought of in this community. Right. And so I think it's something that, you know, we should definitely try and, you know, definitely try and bring back. I do want to say that I, I do, you know, I do know some people that work at the VA um, and I know a lot of them, you know, try really hard to, you know, make sure our vets are taken care of. But from a transparency and accountability, you, I think it's important uh, to bring those ratings back. Yeah, I agree. And I, I appreciate that. I was going to call, call you out. You stole my thunder, but that's okay, man. Cause you know, that's, it's yours. You own it. Um, credibility is extremely important to me on my show. We don't do conspiracy theory. We don't do bullshit. I don't want to hear it. People come and try to do that. And I'm like, listen, you gotta, you gotta be able to back it up. And when you don't know something, you got to say the words, I don't know. You got to own it. There's, you're not always the smartest person in the room. So I love hearing that man, um, shows that you're a student of the game. And I, and, and I appreciate that when, when you look at that, that's a big trust builder. And I, I know your pl- your party platform, people can go and look at your site. Where, where can they go to find your party platform? What you personally believe as a Republican, those type of things. Let's give that so they can hit that. And then we can move on to the next question real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If people are about me, go to eliforarizona.com. You can go through there and uh, see some of my policies. If you want to follow me on social media and see what I've said there, um, it's Eli. Um, Eli underscore crane CEO. I'm sorry, Eli crane underscore CEO. That's where you can find me on social. Awesome. And I'll make sure to backlink this. You do the same. And I know my listeners, they are extremely loyal. You know, we've only been doing this about six, seven months and we've grown really fast. They're, they're great people. Um, so I, I think you'll get a little boost in your ratings here. Um, going in the segue, segue into that is Americans are really divided right now. I made a post of the 12 Marines and the one sailor that just passed and, you know, specifically said, let's keep this clean. Let's keep this respectful. This is a, this is a nine 11 moment. These are, these are people who are extremely important to their families. Let's try to keep this, you know, clean and not political. And it, it lasted the first few thousand shares. And once it went viral, it just is nasty and political and disgusting. And I'm just, I feel like I'm literally just trying to swat mosquitoes in the South, man. And and my voice isn't getting across hard enough or fast enough. So as you probably want to impact a nation and a state, I want to impact my listeners the same way. So um, the trust isn't there. The media has eroded that. They've killed it. And also, I'm not going to just blame it on the media. The politicians have lost that trust because they are unaccountable. They, They stay there forever to make a dollar and they've sold us out. 
So Americans yeah. really want more from our leaders. So how do you feel your background in special forces working with the teams, a business owner, a father, a husband, qualify you for the road to really start the repairing of the trust of Americans? Yeah, well, I think uh, the real world experience from, you know, the SEAL teams and uh, as a business owner will help me out a lot in so many different ways. I mean, we could talk for hours on that, but I think, uh, I think some of the stuff that I talked about earlier is important too in understanding, you know, where our rights come from, um, that also understanding, um, you know, that uh, I'm not going there because I need another feather under my cap. You know, I'm not going there because uh, I, I want to get a consulting job on the back end. You know, matter of fact, I'll say it on your show right now. Uh, this is the first time I'm saying this publicly, but I believe so much in, you know, in this argument of term limits that I'll term limit myself right now to uh, three terms maximum, which in Congress, they're only two year terms. So that would be yep. six years. And, and I want to say that because that's how it's supposed to be. And it was it was never intended that we you know we would have these individuals go you know and, and make you know fifth fifth spend forty fifty years in D.C. and come out like you know hundreds and thousands of times rich and and I think that's a big part of the problem that we have and so um, I think a lot of it is experience and just having real world experience like from the SEAL teams for instance. Not only do you have to, not only do you learn that you're nothing by yourself, but you have to learn to play, play nice with others and be a team player. And you have to learn that it's not about you. And that's going to be really important when you go into a body that's, you know, 435 people. Um, you know, it's not, it's not going to be about me, but I'm going to have to be able to understand how to think and work and fight unconventionally. Because if I think I'm just going to go there and people are going to, care that like i had a cool launch video or that i was a navy seal at one time they're not going to give a damn as a matter of fact they're gonna, they're threatened by people like me so they're gonna they're gonna fight me tooth and nail and i'm gonna have to think unconventionally i'm gonna have to think outside the box if i'm gonna make any headway and if i'm gonna you know do anything effective for the people want so i think those are a couple of things coming out of the seal teams um you know that are going to help me a lot. And then in business, understanding, um, you know, how, how, how business works and how the economy works and how um, when we as, as a government, you know, um, overreach and we make it difficult or regulate our businesses and even, you know, our people to death, what type of effect that has down to the individual family unit, to the employee, you know, to the employee, et cetera. I think I have a lot better um, understanding because I've lived it. I've had to hire people. I've had to fire people. You know, I've had to, um, you know, buy stuff. I've had to buy steel and products here in the U.S. So I know, um, you know, what some of these, uh, you know, manufacturing wars that we've got going on with China, I know how they affect businesses and what that how that affects the customer on the back end. So there's just a lot of stuff coming from my, you know, experience in my past that I think are going to be really helpful up on Capitol Hill. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you mentioned God, you mentioned, you know, family. I know Jen and you are extremely close and uh, I, I never want to hear the conversation between a man and his God. And there's no atheists in foxholes. You know that. Um, 
when you brought this to Jen and your family, can you give me just a, a little bit of an idea of how they responded? Um, I know if, if I told my wife I was running for Congress, I know what she would say. First of all, absolutely not, unless they do a background check on somebody else. Um, right. But I get, I get it a lot. I, people ask, why don't you? Why don't you get involved? Um, right. This is how I contribute. But what did, your, what did Jen have to say about this? Yeah, well, this, um, this was one of those situations where I didn't really go to Jen and say, hey, I'm running for Congress. Uh, <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> I told her, I showed her the email um, where I was asked, Hey, would you consider this? And then, um, when, uh, some of the, con- when one of the consultants, uh, flew out to, uh, talk to me and was in the room because I wanted her eyes and I wanted her ears and I definitely wanted her feedback. If she wasn't, if she wasn't down or if she wasn't supportive of it, there's no way I would have done this because I know that this is going to be a huge pull on my family. And, you know, I have, two young daughters, a 14 year old and a 10 year old. And, you know, they're very, very important to me. And, you know, if, if Jen wasn't there, you know, Jen, Jen and I have been married the entire time I was in the SEAL teams. And a lot of people don't, Wow. we have a 95% divorce rate in the SEAL team. So the fact that we're still married, the fact that, you know, I'm still in love with her, she's still in love with me. And, you know, she's also my best friend. Um, And I also want her in those big meetings um, to be my eyes and ears you know, it's, it's really hard to find a partner like that in life. And, uh, she, she, it's weird too, because usually on big decisions, her and I are oftentimes, we're not, you know, she's a lot more risk averse. Than I'm like, Hey, let's, let's swing for the fences and figure it out on, on the way down. She, she was actually, um, she was actually very supportive on this one. And, uh, I, matter of fact, you know, I think that there were times where she was wondering why I, why I wasn't coming on board yet, why I wasn't saying yes. After her and I had prayed about it, we talked to a lot of our friends about it. Um, I just wanted to make sure that this wasn't, you know, a, an ego thing. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't a. Uh, this was this was something that we were doing for the right reason, and I'm grateful that you know she was on board, you know, with it. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball, but it's going to be quick because I know you're giving me plenty. Um, you have two girls, right? Yes, sir. If you can snap your fingers and you could leave them something, and that's not money and it's not a company, you know, you know there's, there's so much more than that, and it has to do directly with what you're doing and going into Congress. What do you want to give them with this journey of these three terms and what do you want to give back to them as the new generation who's got to pick up this fight as well? Because I don't think this is going to be over in our time. I, I think it's going to be this younger generation that's going to have to fight this fight. Yeah, I would love, you know, I would love to make an impact. I know that there's so much. It's such a loaded question. But if I had to just pick one and it's aimed at my kids and their future, I would want to see, you know, a complete overhaul of our educational system to where, they don't, they don't they, you, almost guaranteed to walk into an indoctrinization camp if I send them into a school. I'm okay with them learning. I'm okay with them learning, you know, you know, one side, you know, one side of things, but not if they don't get to hear the other side of things. And I feel like that's where, that's what has become of academia. It's, it's one-sided. It's play, Dennis Prager talks about it all the time. He says, basically, if you send your kids to a four-year university, 
you're playing Russian roulette with your kids. And it's like a lot of these ideologies, it's not just, oh, it's no big deal. No, a lot of these ideologies are, you know, are rooted and they're aimed at destroying, you know, so much of, uh, you know, your kids ability to understand history. Um, and, and in my, in my opinion, even really diminish their morality as well. And so I, if I could snap my fingers, if I had a, you know, if I had a wand, I would, you know, I'd go in there and I would, I would take out all teachers that, um, you know, are hell bent on indoctrinating my kids and your kids and all the rest of the kids. And I would replace them with teachers that are willing to, you know, teach them every single, every single side of the issue, including American history and teaching that, you know, our kids that, you know, though the United States of America is not perfect, it is a pretty amazing place and we're all blessed and fortunate to live here. Um, so that's, if I could, if I could make a, a, you know, one change for my kids, that's probably what I'd do. All right. Uh, let you off the hook. And, uh, I think, uh, the last thing when, when you're talking about that is that our children have so much to do with the current state of things and where they're going to go. And I, I love the fact that you're talking about hearing both sides of the story. That's what this show is about. There's a reason why there's an elephant and a donkey on the logo is right. I, I some, I'll, I'll fall on the Democrat side sometimes and I'll say, hey, we reacted this way. But I, I appreciate that, Eli, I do. Um, your message to the constituents of Arizona, they're going to watch this. They're going to start Googling you and, and probably not this soon because most people don't get involved until you know about three or four months. But I would love to really hear what your message is to the Arizonans and uh, then I'll wrap it up with some final thoughts and we'll let you get back to the family. Yeah, my message is this. Um, the United States of America can only handle so much corruption and, in my opinion, so much evil. And uh, it, to, to reverse this course, you're going to have to send a different breed of candidate. You're going to have to actually send a fighter. And for me, when I look at what's going on in this country, to me, if I had to, if I had to boil it down to one word, it's coming down to freedom. Do you have the freedom to not take a vaccine if you don't want to take a vaccine? Do you have the freedom to say what you want to say without being censored? You know, do you have the ability and do you still have a government that protects American citizens when we talk about border, when we talk about defunding the police, right? I want to see... Democrats, independents, and Republicans, I want to see us be able to agree to disagree, have our differences of opinions, but I want us all to be free. And I, and I want to, you know, make sure that we have candidates in office that are will, going there for the right reasons and willing to fight for it. They're willing to have a negative headline about them. They're willing to have something nasty said about them because at the end of the day, they know it's not about them. And, and they're not a coward. And I see so much cowardice um, in politics. I see so much cowardice in leadership. Um, and that's why I'm doing this. And so that's what I want the, you know, the constituents, the voters of CD1 to hear about me. I know I look different. I sound different. And that's that's OK with me because I don't want to look and sound like a politician. If I ever start sounding like a politician in my vote, I've already failed. People like myself and your friends will let you know and say, Hey man, you know, but I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. 
Um, got to get you out for a raise the roof sometime when you're out in Washington. Come see that process. I uh, would love to come see Bottle Breacher and everything you've created out there at some point. Um, and would love for you to come back. I, I know that a lot of my viewers asked, hey, can we can we get Eli live? And I said, maybe, but let's let's do this first. Let's get the message out there. So we'd love for you to come back. I want to thank you for your humility, uh, given a small time podcast, the time that, that you have today. I really appreciate it and just wanted to thank you, brother. I, I enjoyed the conversation immensely, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Hey, Matt, congratulations on your success, brother. And uh, I really appreciate you giving, you know, both sides, you know, and just pe- free speech, the opportunity to have a platform, dude. Got it. You got it. Thanks for everything you've done for this country, Eli. We'll talk next time. Tell Jen hello, and I'll have this ready in a couple of hours, and you can uh, share it and take a look. I thank you, man. Thanks, brother. All right. Bye-bye. In a word, incredible. That's really all I've got. I learned a long time ago, I am a talker. I talk over people when I'm at business because it's my area of expertise, um, and I don't care how long I served or what I did. Intel apparatus, no one seals most of my career. Knowing them outside, um, you know, working with the teams, doesn't matter. Um, I give deference to people who truly deserve it, and that guy does. He's earned the right to talk. I, I've said it many times. The show "Beautiful Mind," where you know Russell Crowe is in the uh, the tea room at uh, Harvard, Cornell, wherever it was. I think it was, I, I don't care, MIT. And he sees the professor and all the, the professors walk up and give their pen to recognize his retirement and his service. Almost the, to say, you can speak with my voice. You can have my pen and whatever you write would be better than the words that I have. That is the way I feel when it comes to the matters that we were talking about. Now, it, I would love to do a conversation with Eli where we disagree, but that's what happens when you're in a vacuum. We don't disagree on much. We agree with pretty much everything he said is what I've said on my show. And I uh, love that. Now, I plan on keeping this up. I, I want to continue to have these conversations. I want to talk to Bill Maher one day. I want to talk to Sean Hannity one day. I want to talk to Mark Levin one day. Um, that's my goal is to get there. But for the first time I've ever done an interview outside of hiring for jobs, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was exciting. Um, I tried not to talk too much, tried to listen, tried to have good questions, but honestly, um, it was more about hearing what Eli had to say. And I hope you felt that I'm no Joe Rogan, but, uh, it was fun. And, and I really appreciate him doing that. I hope you enjoyed it tonight. I hope you had a good time. I hope you learned something. If you're in Arizona, I think it's pretty clear who you should vote for. If you believe in the constitution, the bill of rights, declaration of independence, you believe that government should not live in Washington. The guy actually committed on this show and said, I want to only have three terms in Congress. That's amazing. Uh, you heard it here first folks. That's pretty cool. World exclusive, but either way, Remember, we can agree, we can disagree, you can love me, you can hate me, just don't unfriend me, and certainly don't unfriend Eli. Head on over to his page. Dummies, I have 32,000 of you. Get over there. Go like, follow, share his stuff. You have his tag. Go buy some stuff from Bottle Breacher. The guy's amazing. Please give him 
your respect, your kindness, and tell them hello. Please share this with your friends and family. Before we go, we will go out like we always do, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Veterans, every single day are committing suicide. It is too many. 22 a day commit suicide. It's going to move to 25 with the holidays fast approaching. And now with Afghanistan, we don't even know the number. It starts with conversation. It starts with dialogue. This is where you go. If you can't get that veteran to talk to you, reach out to me, reach out to Eli, reach out to any vet and ask them for help. We'll be happy to make that call for you. And lastly, if they don't want to do any of that, give them the website, www.donunfriendly.com. Click on the top right-hand portion of the screen. There's a VCL link and they'll be connected to a Skype operator, VCL operator, or through their phone. It's that important. Thank you so much, dummies. I appreciate you. I hope you had fun tonight. Please do me a favor. Once again, like, share, and subscribe. I wouldn't ask you unless some of you were forgetting. I will see you tomorrow for another episode. Good night. Stay safe. And God bless America.